is Mabba Radio, and I am your host, Rob Kelly. Hippocrates said, Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. We all know that our bodies are our temples, and if you don't take care of yours, where are you going to live? But food often is so much more than just the vitamins and minerals that we consume in order to make sure that we perform at our best. It's also the emotional and spiritual and physical connection between so many of us. This week's guest is Angela Parada of Total Civil Construction, presented by Batley Harley-Davidson. And in her day job, she works with Farmers Restaurant Group to help make sure that your experience during the course of a meal is the best possible experience and that you enjoy the food that you're eating the most. But when she's on the bike, Angela is one of the leaders in our women's community, one of the ambassadors for the sport. And today we talk not just about food and about women's cycling, but about basics of equity and how best to motivate and how best to encourage participation among women. So we're live today, again, in front of a studio audience. The four cats are with us. (laughs) And we have... Mabra's own Brooklyn girl herself, Angela Parada, joining us to talk about bike racing, to talk about founding farmers, to talk about the utter importance of food and drink. So, Angela, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a perfect day. It's going to be really sunny and warm for this weekend. we got two crits. Are you going to do some crits this weekend? Unfortunately, I can't crit this weekend because I have to. I have family obligations in New Jersey. Lots of babies, baptisms, food, more drink, uh, all of that. So we're not getting around this. We're not getting away from this. You're a, a New Jersey girl, an Italian girl. The food, the kitchen, the life—that is—that's part of it, isn't it? It's all of it. So you've made food and entertainment and dining, not just what you like to do, but it's also part of your job. That's kind of the interesting story. I grew up in the restaurant industry because my parents were born in Italy. And when they moved to the States, um, well, it started with my grandfather, really. But he kind of forced my dad to come from Europe to be the head chef in his restaurant. And then my dad eventually opened up his own and, um, like others within New Jersey. So yes, I grew up basically in the coat closet and worked every single job there was within a restaurant while going to school for graphic design and then having all of the experience working in agencies and design studios and everything, and then coming full circle now with uh, Farmer's Restaurant Group being their design director. So who is Farmer's Restaurant Group? Farmer's Restaurant Group is what it sounds like. It's, it's a restaurant group that's the umbrella for three major brands, Founding Farmers, Farmers and Distillers, and Farmers Fishers Bakers. FRG, as we like to call them, is owned by two co-owners, Mike and Dan, and we're also owned by the North Dakota Farmers Union. So farmers basically own the restaurants. Um, Everyone's like, oh, so does that mean you get 
all of your food and product from North Dakota? No. Um, but we get a lot of our wheat and everything, well, our flour really. So all of the flour that we use to make our pastas and our breads and our bakery and even the, the grain in our spirits come because we have a distillery at Farmers and Distillers. Uh, but it all comes from North Dakota. And so that's the, that, that's the piece that ties the North Dakota Farmers Union together. And what do you do for them? I'm their design director, which means anything related to graphic design, visual design, environmental design, anything that would be considered designed to some capacity. I touch or have my eyes on and make sure that the brand is staying true to who they are. I'm helping evolve the brand as they grow. When I started with them, they had four restaurants Now we have seven and under just the seven restaurants, we have additional brands too. So we have the founding spirits brand, which is our distillery. And we have a first bake uh, brand, which is our take on like a Starbucks grab and go. So in your world, are you part of the reason why anytime I go by Tyson's, I suddenly start craving founding farmers? Is that part of your job? What do you mean when you go by Tyson's? Well, I go by Tyson's Corner, and immediately the only thing I can think of is the founding farmers that's over in Galleria. Or if I'm on Pennsylvania Avenue, and I'm heading down towards by the White House, and I get kind of close to founding farmers, and I'm like, wait, this is that place down here that's got the good popcorn that I really like. Yes, the popcorn, the chicken, um, the fried chicken, and waffles or donuts in some of our restaurants, yeah. Let's... Pause for a second and move away from eating. Batley Harley-Davidson, Total Civil Construction. These are the sponsors of the team that you are a part of. Tell us about Team Pink. Team Pink came together on a couple of random afternoon rides, whether it was the Noon Ride or the Thrasher Ride. And Eli Hanks, who has been... One of the founders, along with Tom Boozus of Batley, since its inception about 13-ish years ago, Eli and I were talking. I was saying how I was looking to either race solo in the coming year or start my own team. I was just at the point where I was moving from being a okay, a decent cat four to finding that real competitive edge where I wanted to see where it could go. I wanted to race at a higher level. And I mostly just wanted to be around people that were like-minded in that way. The more we got to talking, he just threw out the idea one day, why don't you start the women's squad under Batley? And I told him he was crazy. With that comes a lot of responsibility. The team has this legacy for years since its inception of of being a squad that goes out and races really hard and they race to win. And it's just a bunch of serious people. And that really scared me because number one, I'm, I'm thinking, am I good enough to even race with these people to race with this logo on my back? And can I form a team together with people that are in that same mindset? The first year kind of 
kicked off and I basically just formed a squad of people that I knew, my friends and people that I rode a lot with. There were some um, girls, women that were with me um, on my prior team, Sticky Fingers, that were also getting to the point where they've had some success or they just want to, to race at a higher level. So I brought them on. And we started small. I think the first year we had six women and I just wanted to see what it could be. The idea behind it was to have the same model as the men's squad. So use it as a platform, a development squad, really. What I was seeing in racing, especially within Mabra, as a Cat 4, I was, you know, the old lady in these fields, and I was racing with all these young RCV juniors who were kicking my butt, racing really well for like one or two years, and then they would just kind of disappear. And so for two years, I remember thinking to myself, where are they going? Why are they not racing anymore? And then I start to look around at the clubs and the teams that we have available in Mabra, and I'm like, maybe there's no place for them. So the conversation really with Eli started, well, let's try to recruit all of these young kids that show tremendous talent that want to race at a higher level. They just need the team and the platform and the outlet for it. So we brought on Svetlana Mack, who graduated out of um, RCV, and she is in school a lot, but when she's home, she'll race with us. So that was the little seed that we tried to plant. We were hoping to get more of those juniors um, onto the squad just by seeing that there's a place for them. This year, we also brought on Kat. I'm going to butcher her last name. Sarkisov. Thank you very much. That's okay. That's eight years of Russian right there. There you go. So Kat joined us, um, and it's been a lot of fun racing with her and seeing how she's enjoying being with us as well. So I think the program is doing what we had intended it to do. Uh, I, I definitely think that we gave an opportunity to some people that hadn't been racing at all. Uh, within Mabra, the platform to do it. And yeah, introducing new people or getting them excited about racing is what we wanted to do. You've introduced new colors into <laughs> Mabra as well. I mean, with your with your graphic design aspect, there are so many different colors on the Total Civil Construction, Batley, Harley, Davidson jerseys. There's the white one, the blue one, the orange one, Here's the, pink the breakdown. One. Hit us with the breakdown so I know who I'm racing against okay. on Saturday. The women will always be in pink. The men and women will always race with navy bibs. Now let's talk about the men's squad. So we have our elite Mabra squad men. They will always race with white jerseys. So they'll be in their white jersey with... Um, Navy decals and Navy bibs. We also have a very big master squad this year. Dave Fuentes brought on, came back to the squad and brought a bunch of masters with him. The masters will also race in white with Navy icons. Total Civil Construction is our new title sponsor this year. And that company is um, co-owned by Greg and Pablo Total's brand colors are orange and navy. They're also mountain bikers, and so they are used to having bright kits when they're out there mountain biking or in the woods, which makes sense. 
and construction company, see and be seen, you know, orange. So we created, because we don't make things simple and we like our fashion, uh, we created some training kits as well. So the total civil construction race team or club, I should say, they have their own kit and it's, they have a Navy and orange version, and then they have an orange and white version. You'll often see during colder months, most of the men and some of the women with orange vests. That's just a part of the color wheel now because of total. And then we have another kit, which is very exciting and it's our PRT kit. So when we go and send our um, PRT squads to do pro races, they have a special kit that is white and orange. Those were debuted at um, JMSR. Joe Martin Stage Race. Yes, that is correct. And I think they look fantastic. And that's the one that Matt McClune lit it up at, right? Yeah, 100%. McClune is kind of a rock star. Having the Harley logo on your chest and on your back comes with great responsibility. Our squads were pretty small historically for that reason. We wanted people on the squads that just wanted to race hard and and race at a very high level. And it was never the idea that it was a club that anyone could join. That legacy just kind of grew from Eli and Tom and the people that were on the squads. And those men just created such a legacy for what the squad was and still is. Let's stop talking about Batley for a second. (laughs) Batley's great and wonderful, but I want to hear about Angela. Oh, boy. So you are the very model that I think USA Cycling is looking for in a bike racer. Wow, that's a tall order. I know it's a tall order, but I've got statistics to back it up. Oh, wow. So you start bike racing in 2014. Yes. And you're a cat four and you're doing all the right stuff. Racing a ton in 2014, racing a little less in 2015, then you pick it up in 2016 and all of a sudden we're getting results. Oh, wow. We're starting to get first places and second places and podiums and tour of Washington counties. And I also swept that stage race. I know. That's my highlight. Then you move on to cat three. Yes. And all of a sudden, Cat 3, Angela Parada, New World, Brave New Challenges. She starts to get results as well in 2016 and 2017. And then she cats up in 2018. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Cat 2, Angela Parada. Already two podiums this year. Once I started, I mean, obviously, I started this team because I want to race at a higher level. I still want to do that. Managing the team all of a sudden the focus is not really on me anymore, uh, which, you know, is different. The first couple of races that we had in Mabra, I'm seeing myself, you know, being a worker bee for other people. So it's not just about me. It's about the overall team, the team doing well. Sure. I want to be on as many podiums as I can, but now knowing the squad that we have together, knowing everyone's individual strengths, we can try to devise some plan that we can, again, try to execute to get you know people on the podium. For me, I just want to see our team do well. I want to have a squad that has synergy, that can go into a race, that can animate it and come away with results. For me personally... 
I just want to get more experience racing with more pros and dipping my toes into those kinds of fields. I love crit racing, but I'm, yeah, I'm hoping for more podiums. I'm hoping I can win some things. I'm hoping to challenge Aaron Bougie and the Sue McQuestons as much as possible. They make racing so much fun. And I've looked up to the women, you know, formerly on ABRT when I started racing and they still bring it every time that they line up. So when was it during the course of this steady growth, the, the newbie in Brooklyn or, or, or wherever to now that you got hooked? So I only started racing once I moved to DC and I was so hesitant in even starting or even thinking about racing because I knew that it would be something that would be all consuming for me. It would be something that I would have to train for and it would just take up a bunch of my time. All of those things that I just said, it has done. (laughs) So I was hesitant to even get involved. What really hooked me was as soon as I started getting results. So I don't know what year it was. It was the year that I was a cat four and I was like winning, not to sound like a jerk, but I won a lot of those races. And that was the year that I was like, okay, it's coming together. This is fun. Now I want more. And I think the thing that whether it's just me or it's other people, it's once you have a little bit of that success, you want to see how far you can push yourself and how far you can go. And because there are still categories to be had, it there's the bar. You know, you want at least for me, I want to be at the highest level I possibly can. So sure, heading up to a cat one. Hell yeah. You're not a college student anymore. You're not a high school student anymore, but you're trying to influence women who are. Yeah. Tell the 18, 19 year old version of Angela Parada why she should be involved in the sport at that age, as opposed to the, you know, the, the Angela Parada who's 29. Oh my goodness. Things are so much easier with your body when you're younger (laughs) and time constraints and life and job. I mean, if I got into the sport when I was younger, not having as many responsibilities as I have now, um, who knows where I could have been? I mean, I'm sure there are so many people that get into the sport that are, that wish they could have gotten into it when they were younger and who show actual talent. Um, to think that they can go pro. I mean, for me, I I found cycling when it was 2008, I think. It was just, a, I mean, I biked across the country then, and it was just a recreational thing. I hadn't been on a bike prior to that in several years. For all of these people, all of the youth out there that are on RCV or even the development Kelly squads. Um, it's so fun to see them come through the ranks and to race with us at high levels. And it's encouraging for me to, to see them continue to come back every single year because there's so much talent within Mabra and look, we've already seen what it does. I mean, look at Thomas Humphreys and look at Justin mock and, Joe Dombrowski and all of those names. Okay, well, let's get some women 
out there that have already started with being such great competitors in the sport. Let's have them go pro. Well, let's talk macro. Okay. Now let's go big. Let's go big. So I got some numbers here from USA Cycling. Um, you know, Mabra has somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 to 2,200 licensed bike racers. It, it grows a little bit up through this time of the year. Then it kind of plateaus until we hit the hashtag cross is coming part of the season where we get another 400 people or something like that. So let's just say that we've got 1,900 bike racers right now, according to USAC. Of those 1,900 bike racers... 85% of them are men, and only 15% of them are women. Yeah. So now we've got a marketing question. How do we get more women into the sport and keep them in the sport? Because not only do we have only 15% women, 55% of those women who are a part of our community are over the age of 35. Wait, repeat that? 55% of the women who have licenses are over the age are over the age of 35. Wow. I fall into that percentage. How do you <laughs> I think you're 29, aren't you? Uh, always 29. There you go. So how do you as a as a woman as a part of the community as a, somebody who's an ambassador for the sport turn to the 23-year-old or to the 17-year-old woman and say, "Listen, I have this crazy idea. I think you should get on a bike and go ride your bike for hours. You know, how do you convince somebody to be that person? I think that that's the easy part. It's convincing them to continue with the sport once they're already in it, once college hits. Because that's where you start to see people go off in different directions and not come back to it. Or the women that the women that want to have families and do that and then don't come back into cycling. But I think the easy part is, and, and again, I've only been in DC for eight years, but I'm an ambassador for Rafa and those, and, and the clubhouse has several rides that go on throughout the week. Um, some are specifically focused for women and then others it's for everyone, but being an ambassador for them, I think helps bridge some gap, at least, where you're talking with people that are interested in cycling to some degree in some capacity, and then they find out you race, and then that's the obvious conversation starter. It's hard because I'm the only women's ambassador for Rafa in DC. I wish there were more, and I think there are several ambassadors for the sport in DC that just don't have, you know, a flag or an association associated with them. Um, you take a look at Patty Fulton, I think for, you know, as one example, she does such a great job and she actually helps lead some rides for Rafa, but she's a natural ambassador. And I feel like we have several of those, um, in DC anyway, but I think, the shop rides, so the bike shop rides where they have weekend rides and they can do like entry level rides to get people um, comfortable with riding. Everything else within the community, putting on clinics, so the bike shops can put on clinics, Rafa can put on clinics, anything to get people to know what racing is, what Mabra is, um, can help bridge that gap. So let's talk 
you know, once once you get into the sport, the fours and the fives are, are fours and fives. People are trying to learn. They're trying to experience. They're trying to figure out whether or not this is a fit for them or not. When you get to the level of a Cat 3, for example, we got you. You're hooked. Yeah. More than likely, you're going to be around for a couple of years because you've invested the money, you've invested the time, and now you're going to bigger and better races and you're racing longer. So let's use that as a benchmark. Something that I said to somebody earlier this year that they responded to me was very poignant. So I had received a couple phone calls about one of our early season races saying that the women's attendance numbers were low. Yes. And you know what typically happens when that call gets made. Everybody in the world goes to their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, their text message pools and says, hey, where are all the women? Yeah. And you reach out to your likely candidates. You reach out to your Angela Paradas, your Aaron Bougies, your Caitlin Mittens. You know, you reach out to the leaders and say, hey, I noticed I didn't see your name on the list. I realize now that that is wrong. Yeah. That is not the way to motivate. That's not the way to do it. And it's completely inappropriate to deal with the women's community that way because it's the women's community that's often doing it right. So we have 52 Cat 1, 2, 3 women in Mabra. I wish we saw them every weekend. Hey, where are you? Just kidding. The problem is, is that we do see a large percent of that. So for the first eight races this season, we've seen an average of 16 women, cat one, two, three per race. Cat one, two, three. You said 50, how many? 52 category one, two, three women. Okay, sorry. I was thinking you just said 52 category one. And that's why I was like, wow. No, that's actually 51 is the number of category one men. Wow. In Marlboro. So... We have 52 total women in those three categories. You'll see 16 at every race. That's an average of 30% of the population continually showing up week in and week out. On the men's side, you've got 420 divided between one, two, and three. And you typically see around 51 of those men at the races. Now, I'm using pre-registration numbers, and I'm specifically excluding Cat 3 or Cat 3-4 races so it's just the cat one, two, three. So the numbers are movable. But 51 out of 420 is 12%. So 12% of the men's population is showing up every single week, whereas 30% of the women's population is showing up. That's huge. So the women are doing it right. We're just marketing it badly. And we're telling people that there's not enough showing up. But the reality is there are a lot showing up. How do we, I'm going to ask for some free marketing advice, how do we let people know that this is a success and a success that needs to be built upon? Yeah, it's something, I mean, it's something that I see a lot, especially on every social media platform. It's kind of like a race registration is coming to a close and suddenly people start frantically freaking out and putting out in the world, where is everyone? Where are all my ladies? And I do think that is the wrong approach. If these race promoters are trying to target more women, do it in a more thoughtful way. So if you have any connection to the race clubs or teams that have huge amounts or power in numbers, right, for the women's squads, 
reach out to them as soon as you put your race live on Bike Reg and let them know that you have this race that's coming up. Tell them that you hope to see them there. You hope to see their squads there. If you feel giving and and generous, maybe offer a discount code. Um, I don't think anyone's in it for a discount, but you know, it's it's all about just being thoughtful and showing and taking the proactive approach rather than the reactive approach. I think that goes a long way. So I think race promoters can do more to get the word out about their races. They can work with people within Mabra to spread the word. Therefore, it becomes something that is happening prior to race registration closing and then people trying to point fingers or make assumptions based on facts and numbers that they don't actually have. Now's the time for us to to lighten the mood. So we're, we're going to the lightning round, but we're going to the amp human PR lotion lightning round. If you look over there to your left, you have your own travel size bottle of PR lotion. Do I get to take that? You get to take that. Yes. It is, it is the, the, the live studio audience uh, swag gift for all guests from now on is, is the travel size version of, of Amp PR because they are a great sponsor of Mabra. Well, I appreciate that. And I used their lotion this weekend when my legs were failing me or I thought they were failing me. They made my legs feel good. <laughs> That's good because you, I mean, you, you ended up doing pretty decently in a pretty hard race. I did pretty okay. So let's go to the lightning round here. We've got the official spokes cat dubs has made his presence known. Hello, gray kitty. So we've got 10 questions here. You ready for them? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. The purpose, the purpose, the purpose of, of the lightning round is first thing that comes to your mind. All right. We realize I'm me, so... That's a dangerous. This is dangerous. <laughs> Understood. What's your go-to menu item at Founding Farmers? Oh, a good all green salad. It is the best thing. And add some salmon to it. Oh, yes. Rim or disc brakes? Disc. The mob rider, man or woman, that you most want to be in a breakaway with? God, I want to be in a break with Erin Bougie, but she drops my ass. Ooh, this is a good one for you. When is Christmas really celebrated? As an Italian? Yes. Oh, gosh. You can't ask me. My family is weird in that way. Growing up, having restaurants that were open on Christmas Eve, we, I mean, look, we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We have gigantic dinners both days, but this is my family. What is your post-ride recovery drink or food of choice? Um... If it's a Saturday race and I'm racing the next day, it's probably a scratch uh, recovery shake and a LaCroix, LaCroix for some people. Um, If it's a Sunday race or a race where I'm not racing the next day, it's probably a beer. The superhero whose personality most suits your riding style. Riding style? Yes. Jesus. You know I'm not into superheroes. You're going to have to tell me since you're into superheroes. I'm super into superheroes. I know. But what do you figure you are? Are you the I'm going to take a bunch of punches? Or are you the I'm going to blast out of here like lightning? Or are you the 
Nobody can stop me because I'm Aaron Bougie. Tell me who you think I am. Who do I think you are? I am going to go with Star-Lord. Who is that? Chris Pratt. Oh, I can be a man? You can be a man. Okay, so tell me more about him. Chris Pratt, he is funny, he's witty, he's always got a sense of humor, but he is also part celestial. Oh. So he's part, he was at one point in time, part omnipotent, all-powerful, everlasting, and eternal. Wow. And he's super strong and likes good music. Okay. Is he good looking? Chris Pratt. (laughs) I just had to say that. (laughs) What is your intervals playlist of choice? 90s rap, which mostly has Tupac on it. The 2019 race you're most looking forward to doing. If it's already happened, just say that you already did it. But I'm going to be lining up this year for Armed Forces Cycling Classic. This will be my first time being eligible to line up. I'm looking forward to doing that. The race you haven't done yet, other than Armed Forces, that you most want to do. Ooh, I I think I'm planning on doing Wilmington Grand Prix this year. Also, a race that I've always wanted to do, that I'm kind of terrified to do, but I'm going to do it. Last question. Yes. Favorite place to get a slice? To get a slice? Yes. Oh, Jesus. There's no good place in D.C. You can say Brooklyn. Oh, okay. It's your favorite place. There's no geographic limit. My favorite place to get a slice is Mama Parada's house. My mom and my grandma make, my Nona, make the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Angela Parada, thank you for being on Mabareo. Thank you, Rob. Thanks again for joining us on Mob or Radio. Next time up, we'll be talking with Scott Kozicki, one of the taco bros from District Taco, about making the transition from being the Cat 3 champion to now being one of the guys in the Cat 1-2 field. Until then, remember to like, subscribe, share on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Now get out there on MacArthur Boulevard and crank some watts. <laughs>